Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. On today's show, we'll feature a legend in the transgender community, Bambi Salcedo, an internationally recognized activist and community organizer who has been championing the causes of trans Latinas, immigrants, the HIV positive, and homeless populations. I want to thank all of you following Jesse Garcia's show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the show, visit jessegarciashow.com. Kick off Hispanic Heritage Month with the Latino GLPT History Project in Washington, D.C. as the group hosts its 13th annual Hispanic LGBTQ Heritage Awards. Each year, LHP spotlights amazing Latinx queers doing amazing things in the district and across the nation. Join us Wednesday, September 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. in the main hall of the Human Rights Campaign headquarters located at 1640 Rhode Island Northwest in Washington, D.C. For more information about this event, visit latinoglbthistory.org. That's latinoglbthistory.org. And here's your weekly news update. The word is out. Break it gently to your padres and light some candles for your abuela. A recent survey found that Latinx millennials are more likely than their peers to identify as LGBTQ. Sass! The Gen Forward Survey Project at the University of Chicago found that 22% of Latinx millennials identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer, compared to 14% of African Americans, 13% of whites, and 9% of Asian Americans. The organization study Millennial Attitudes on LGBT Issues, Race, Identity, and Experience found that overall millennials between the ages of 18 and 34 identify as LGBTQ at a rate of 14%. For once, Latinx people are ahead of the curve. Vlad Medanica a researcher of the report told NBC News that researchers were excited that the differences emerged in the study. Medinica said that often millennials are talked about as a monolithic or homogeneous group where everyone is more or less the same. One of the aims of the study was to dig a bit deeper and see how race and ethnicity shapes people's experiences. The fact that Latinx millennials are least likely to identify as straight is a reflection of how important exploring this difference is, according to Medinica. For this survey, Gen Forward interviewed nearly 1,900 millennials across 50 states and the District of Columbia. The survey was offered in both English and Spanish. Some other findings from this report include that millennials across all racial and ethnic groups said that the two most important issues facing the LGBTQ community are reducing hate crime violence against LGBTQ people and ending bullying against LGBTQ youth. A majority of Latinx and Asian American millennials surveyed said that there was a lot of discrimination against lesbian and gays in their racial community, with 61% Latinx people and 53% Asian Americans answering in the affirmative, compared with 43% of African Americans and 27% of whites. 
When it comes to discrimination against transgender people in their communities, almost all the percentages go up across the board, with 64% of Asian Americans, 58% of African Americans, 49% of Latinx, and 47% of whites agreeing that transphobia is a problem in their communities. Some of your best fighters in a social movement come from places so dark that they have had to heal themselves, learn to live with the trauma, and help keep others from experiencing that pain. That is the story of Bambi Salcedo, founder and president of Translatina Coalition. Bambi is an activist who has worked hard all her life to help others escape the same fate she has lived through from being deported and incarcerated to being homeless and poor on the streets of Los Angeles. Today, she talks to us about her life and how she's helping this nation come to terms with the horrible way it's treating its transgender citizens, especially women of color, whose murder rates keep climbing year after year. So get ready, because Bambi is not looking for allies. She is looking for comrades in the fight against oppression. I want to welcome to the show Bambi Sarcel, who is an amazing advocate in our community, doing a lot of work in the uh, fields of immigration, health, advocacy for social justice for trans Latino men and women. It's an honor to have her on the podcast, and I want to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the show, Bambi. Thank you so much, Jesse. Um, well, primero que nada, gracias. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And obviously, shout out to all the listeners. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity. Tell us about the coalition. The I have the privilege to lead an amazing organization that is doing really great work. Mm-hmm. Um, our organization is um, made up of leaders. Uh, in different places in a, around the country. We have representation in different states. Uh, we're based in Los Angeles. Uh, we started in 2009. And we started with this sort of like uh, mentality of, you know, just tearing down the institutions and um, structures that continue to marginalize our community. Um, but since then, um, in 2015, we started developing the Center for Violence Prevention and Transgender Wellness in Los Angeles. And the idea is that we build a multi-purpose, multi-center space um, where trans and gender non-conforming people can access the multiplicity of services to address their specific needs. So where did all this power come from? Tell us about Little Bambi. Oh my goodness. Um, How the power came to be... Well, first, I, 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 I want to say that I... I guess some people would think that I do have power. Um, the power that I have is, you know, really built by the community, mm-hmm. right? Um, I certainly know and believe that I am who I am because the community has uplifted me and built up to be who I am. Um, and But obviously, you know, for me to get to where I am today, um, it has been certainly a journey um, and it has not been easy for sure as a you know young 
boy who grew up and was born in Guadalajara um, who had like many different issues growing up um, including you know abandonment from you know my father left my mom before I was born and as a result my mom had to work a lot um, so I never had the opportunity to have like this um, love that I was supposed to get as a child growing up um, and so because of that a lot of things happened in my life not only that but also you know trying to discover myself as um, you know as someone who I thought I was different um, because of what you know what people were telling me that who I was yes didn't really you know fit with uh, who I really was and so as a result of that I resorted to the streets and to start using drugs when I was very little I was about eight years old eight years old wow yeah um, my experience was you know that that I I needed to like find some kind of escape right to Mm -hmm. my reality and um, and I found that on the streets you know with other young kids you know like if you if you seen you know children on the streets in Mexico Mm -hmm. vendiendo chicles or selling gum and uh, you know, shiny shoes and that kind of stuff. Like I was one of those kids, um, and so because of that, also, I started being institutionalized, uh, being arrested and detained uh, in juvenile institutions mm-hmm. uh, when I was twelve years old. And my criminal career and my street life, obviously, you know, um, started then. Um, but at the same time, I was also. Um, you know discovering myself as I started my you know like around 12 years old I started um, seeing gay people on the streets and started hanging out with them and so I was living like this two kind of lives you mm-hmm. know I had my street life and I had my hotera life you know? <laughs> and uh, and so you know that was the very first time I dressed up um, you discovered your journey your, who you were of course your identity yes. I discover, you know, through the people that I, I was, you know, um, my gay friends, right, um, at that time, because um, there was no language about trans, right? No. Um, and so, at that time, uh, that's how I started, like, I dressed up, and, you know, um, early on, I... And it felt comfortable? Well, I mean, in my experience, the very first time that I put on a dress and makeup, you know... Um, I completely felt the transformation, right? Like, I mm-hmm. felt like this, uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so it was, it, it was definitely magical. Yes. Um, but because I couldn't be me, mm-hmm. uh, because of my family, because of, you know, what society tells us, and really like how we're destined and positioned within our society, um, all the trans women that I was seeing also were like on the streets you know doing mm-hmm. sex work and stuff like that and even though I also did that um, I couldn't really like be myself right oh. then um, and then I had the opportunity to meet my father who was living in the United States um, and my mother uh, because you know like from 12 to like 16 I was in and out of juvenile institutions and so my mother didn't really know how to deal with me 
um, so she suggested that I come to move with my father because otherwise um, you know I was gonna end up in prison in Mexico um, where did he live I was born and raised in Guadalajara and your father where where did he live my father um, when he left my mom um, he came up north and okay. started living in the United States and so he formed his family my mom formed her family um, and so I had the opportunity to come to the United States when I was 17 years old uh -huh. um, and of course my journey you know coming to this country was just like the journey of many people right who are undocumented um, I had the the, uh, the privilege that uh, my father had connections you know for uh -huh. people to get me across the border um, so my journey in that particular time wasn't as hard as uh, many other individuals and then I you know I came to um, California and um, and then I was living with my father for a couple of years and obviously I couldn't be myself right uh, one because I wanted my father to love me and accept me for who I was and the only way that I could think of doing that was by being you know the son that you know he I guess procreated um, and so obviously I couldn't you know be myself and so I, I could only hang for like a couple of years and then after that I was like oh no hell no I'm, I'm <laughs> leaving and so I went to Los Angeles um, and that's when I started you know my transition and you know hanging out with other trans women on the streets and you know doing obviously something that I was familiar with which was the streets mm -hmm. and um, and again, because of that, I also um, ended up, you know, being arrested multiple times um, in Los Angeles, and and then eventually I ended up in prison, and you know, and then because of that, of course, um, because of my drug addiction and because of the street life that I was living, I ended up doing four terms. So I spent about fourteen years of my life in the state penitentiary wow. in, in California. Um, but then I was obviously given the opportunity uh, to reform my life and um, through that process obviously you know coming in, in, in and out of prison I was also deported um, for different times so it also took me to end up in immigration detention centers um, and one of those times was um, assaulted and um, you know I had to be transported into an outside hospital and you know, it's just like the realities, right? That we even the now, current ones, yeah. They so even many now, immigrants, exactly. Like even now, we experience, and so, um, so that that was my experience. But then again, like I said, um, in you know, like the last time I was able to cross the border, um, then I I had the opportunity to reform my life, and through that, obviously, I started to discovering uh, or. Not discovering, but seeing the reality of our lives, my life, how it was reflected, and the people that I knew, trans other trans women that I was hanging out on the streets with before, um, and since I wasn't using drugs anymore, I could see that with more clarity, and so I felt like it was my responsibility and my duty to, since I had that privilege of reforming on my life, like what was my position into doing something to better the lives of our community 
um, a big a big component of what your work was or still is is health mm-hmm. from physical to mental so you were able to be that person to connect all these people that don't have access to health mm-hmm. to health correct I mean totally I think like I said right like for me I feel since I was getting the privilege to getting my life together right mm-hmm. um, I felt that you know um, obviously you know my life throughout my life I had experienced many um, like hor- horrific things right uh, and many like much trauma was built throughout my life right but part of my healing was you know doing that right like really like live and um, relive like very painful moments to get rid of those and really uh, not be ashamed of who I am and um, my experiences right and so I think when we're able to do that then we're able to find um, not only healing but also be a healthy individuals right like being healthy individuals in mind um, in body you know in spirit right Um, and so to me that's important that we as a community find some type of healing right and which in turn will lead us into be healthy individuals tell us about your chosen family because a lot of us in the lgbtq community um the older generations get re- regarded as mothers and fathers they call me mom <laughs> and i and i take that as a compliment because regardless of gender they see me as a mother figure of some of these people Tell us about your your family. Um, well, you know, my given family, right? Um, uh, it was hard for them to really like accept me and support me through my journey. Um, and so, and that's the experience of many of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, often we have to sort of like resort to other people who support us in that way, and who often we call, you know family right um our chosen family you know fathers sisters mothers um and i nowadays you know like i'm a seasoned person (laughs) and so um now you know i I worked for many years with young people and Mm -hmm. so like i've known you know through the work that i've been doing and even before that i've known young people um that I known from like since they were like 12 13 15 um, and they're now like 30 you know? yes <laughs> and so you know they, they um, some of them um, I mean call me like mom and even though I don't necessarily like that term because it makes me you know, <laughs> <laughs> it makes all of us I feel know. older than we yeah feel. and so I always tell them like I'm your sister <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so um so yeah so but but yeah like many young people um you know see me as as a mother figure if you will um and isn't it beautiful when you see them become a success but the basic thing is that they're still alive making good choices yeah that's like the best totally i mean for me like through the i think that's uh sort of like the things that um that feel or fulfill my soul, right? When I see um, young people who come into our doors or, you know, a trans woman who 
come into our doors at our center, for instance, and um, that I've seen them, you know, with their soul chatter, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then over time, you know, through the services that they get and through the support that they get, right? Like whether it's moral or whatever it is, um, then you can start seeing the sparkle in their eyes, right? Yes. And so, and 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 that is so beautiful. You know, that's those are the things that um, obviously um, let me know that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I I'm just privileged in that sense, right? That I get to see and support and in some ways um you know even if i'm if i'm not um if i don't know the person in person right like that um through the work that we're doing and through um your advocacy you know the the stuff that we're doing Mm -hmm. um you know people uh see themselves and me right like that it that it is possible right like there's a possibility uh if we if we do what we're supposed to do, if we do what we're destined to do, right? Um, we're destined to be great. And I think um, when people see that um, in themselves also, it's also to me as a gift that I can, you know, always get. Now, we're going to bring up something that's real hard to talk about. And, and that's the murder of trans women. Um, last year, 28, they tracked 28 trans women majority of color that were murdered this year halfway through the year we already have 14 most recently in june 24 uh, we had a young lady that was shot in the abdomen in her apartment complex some of these murders they're just not like they get horrific because there's hate so much hate involved what do you do to try to uplift the community make this an awareness issue because not only is it not covered as much but even when they are covered they often use the wrong pronoun to just dis- to describe the victim mm-hmm. what are you doing to put light on this issue and to correct the wrongs that the media the lack of media on this issue um well i mean i think i certainly want to say that um we as a trans community and as trans, um, you know, gender non-conforming individuals are coming to have power, right? Um, and now that we didn't have power before, but we're being more visible and more um, like organized and like we are really not um, taking any more shit, right? Because over the years, you know, our existence has been, um, has been, try to be erased right um and so what we do obviously you know when this type of situations happen is um to like really bring attention to the issues i think um you know what we do as an organization obviously is um to address the structural violence right that has been created for many many years that obviously translates into what people think about us right and also understanding how transphobia manifests in people's lives, right? And how it, 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 it is actually portrayed. And so um, what we do, we do things like in different ways, right? Like we address the violence in different ways. Um, you know, one example that I can give you is that, you know, earlier this year, 
at the beginning of the year, one of our compañeras, um, um, you know, was brutally murdered in Los Angeles. Um, and, um, you know, that was uh, pretty devastating um, because, you know, she was, she was part of us, right? Like she was part of our family. And so it really was close to home. Um, and so, you know, the fact that um, she was murdered and she was stabbed to death, but also she was also burned, like she was set up in fire. Um, and, you know, we don't, according to the report, right? Like she wasn't dead before. All um, of that happened. Yeah, before all of that happened. And so, you know, that was obviously a, um, an incident that was motivated by hate, right? Um, because in, in the way this hate is portrayed is because of what we think of trans women particularly, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there were different things that, um, that we've done, that we did then. Um, obviously, we, you know, because we were not like family members, direct family members, or at least in paper, right? Yes. Even though she was our sister, um, we had to fight with the police, for instance. Uh, we had to fight with the morgue. We had to fight with the consulate, um, you know, and then we had to find her family um, in Honduras and, um, and then get, you know, a letter of, um, um, in, in una carta poder, um, <laughs> what do you, what do you call uh, it, like a, a, like a attorney, will, like, attorney yeah. power, will power, power, well, yeah, power, yeah, power, power attorney, attorney there, we got it, letter. yes, um, and so through that, that was how we were able to, like, you know, get the body and, you know, connect the body to the consulate and, you know, collect, connect, um, send the body to her family and, you know, um, and so like we were able to raise funds and do all of that. But, um, you know, for me, that's something that I've, I've been doing for many years, you know, um, so in my personal, you know, experience with the violence that we experience, um, we don't have time to like just sit down and do nothing right like it's a constant struggle it's a constant struggle but also uh, it, it's like i think well i'm enraged right that yes this continues to happen and so the way we do things is just like um you know just disrupting stuff right like disrupting shit and um that's just how we do it like unapologetically right because um because it's our lives who are you know that are on the line and so um so we just you know are trying to address the violence that we experience in different forms and in different ways and um as painful as it is you know uh, we still have to push through and just really um let society know that we're not going to stand for this bullshit anymore and so when and, and you're doing this because you're very visible i see you at every convention and it's important to have you as out there reminding folks um, that this is an issue that needs to be put in the, you know, it's just, yes, there's a lot of issues on the, on the table, but this one, you're talking about lives. Mm -hmm. What can you tell two, two different types of people? The straight allies and your gay allies, the mainstream gays. What do they need to do to be a good trans ally? 
Well, I, for my, you know, gay and lesbian and bi siblings, you know, what I can uh, absolutely let them know that it's important that we understand not only the history of the gay liberation movement, that's, that's how it started in uh, in 69, um, but, you know, that that our community understand where trans people are positioned within our society in 2018, right? That if we look at where trans people are in 2018 in comparison to the gay and lesbian community, for instance, right? Like, we're about 40 years behind, mm-hmm. legislatively, academically, economically, um, you know, and so like, it's important that they see that, right? And also understanding that, you know, the gay and lesbian community has a lot of power. Um, and so what, once we recognize that, that, you know, if we are really an inclusive community, if we really are part of the acronym LGBT, um, then that we need to like really support and stand with our trans siblings, right? Um, and support the leadership, right? That um, emerging trans leaders, um, you know, um, are doing. Um, so I think it's important that we, we do that. Um, we support our trans siblings in that way. Um, but also, you know, to support, support us and to have access to different places that we don't have access to. And how can we also change the mentality of the broader society about trans people in particular, right? Because, I mean, even though right now we're, the political landscape is super crazy and, you know, many LGBT issues are, like, in stake, right? Despite of that, you know, there have been many gains for the gay and lesbian community, but we need to also align gains that we need to get also for the trans community. Um, and there's power in that, and, and I think it's possible if we really get um, in line with our community, right? Like, if we don't see differences between us, if we actually um, understand that, you know, it is that the T is also part of the LGBT acronym, and so that we can, you know, all move forward uh, together. For people who are um, part of the, I guess, heterosexual mm-hmm. community uh, who are so-called allies, right? I think, um, one, we need to obviously recognize, right, that um, it's important to understand that, well, actually, that it that we mean what we say and we say what we mean, right? When So, like, if, if somebody calls themselves an ally, which I actually don't necessarily like the term ally I would rather use the term um, as a comrade right Um, because a comrade is someone who's with you throughout Throughout the fight fight, right Um, and so you know if you're really a comrade right then you need to actually be invested exactly like mean what you say and say what you mean right Um, but like in a tangible way not just you know De la boca para afuera, right? Like, mm-hmm. not just, you know, because lip service, we can give lip service all day long. All right? day long. And so, um, just, you know, do it, right? Like, it's not hard to, you know, correct someone when they use the wrong pronouns, or it's not hard to um, stand up when someone is, you know, uh, making fun of some, a trans woman, no. right? Um, 
And so, like, just, you know, little things like that, right? But then, of course, if, you know, just for both of our communities, like, if people have the ability and the power to support trans leadership, you know, invest in our community, like, support trans organizations that are doing really great work, and not just to say to support just the Trans Latino Coalition, but also, you know, there are many different organizations that are emerging across the, um, the country. So, support your local trans communities what is your website if people want to make donations what is the website our website is www.translatinacoalition.org and you have a documentary out there they filmed two years ago was it It was done in 2014 2014 Mm -hmm. where can they get access to it because you have a beautiful story you gave us a little snapshot but it details an amazing journey um well you know this um the it's called transvisible bambi salcedo stories bambi salcedo story um and so um it was again i i consider myself a community investment Mm -hmm. so it was actually the community who supported you know this project a so bunch of my friends chipped in twenty dollars at a yeah. at a at a junta. We all got together. We heard your story, and the granddaughter of Cesar Chavez, Christine Chavez, told us about it and how we needed to fund this important project. And all of us just whipped out our dollars because we just got so inspired by just hearing your story. So where is where can they find it? Well, again, um, because it's not one of those Hollywood productions, you <laughs> no. know, unfortunately, um, um, it's not out there per se. Yeah. Um, but if people really are interested in um, getting a copy, um, we have we have had the opportunity to make some copies, and so we all ask us for a donation mm-hmm. um, to. Um, you know, and we'll send you a copy. You know, It'll be uh, important. Just send a donation to our organization and, you know, we'll make sure to send a copy. But it's not, unfortunately, out there. Out there. Like um, on the Netflix. None of that. Yet. It's not. Not yet. yet. But if you know <laughs> anyone who, yes. you know, who has this type of connections and want to, um, you know, put it out there for people to, to have it available, um, you know, we'll be happy to do that. And. Hopefully through that the proceeds or whatever it is, you know, they can just go to the organization to support trans people who are in immigration detention. There's a lot of transgender politicians running. Mm -hmm. They got elected in amazing numbers. We had like eight out candidates in the in twenty fifteen on non election, non presidential year. We had amazing candidates winning at every level from state legislature to city council to school board have you ever thought about running for office um no <laughs> not yet or well, no, period <laughs> I, I i think um i don't think public office like that and like in government is um is something that i would want to do i think i can serve the people better where i'm at today so that like when politicians or elected officials don't do what their job, then they can call them out. Call them out, and you know, disrupt their shit. You know? <laughs> so I think I can probably do better on the other side. Um, you know, organizing and mobilizing and uh, really empowering trans and gender nonconforming people in this way. 
but supporting obviously yeah. trans candidates that could obviously um, that are going to change the landscape of our community. One last question for the person out there that's considering transforming who thinks they're alone in this process. What advice do you have to that person, that boy or girl? Um, well, I would say to that individual who is in the process of uh, living their truth is that um, as scary as it may be, um, you know, for that person to really understand that you don't have to be scared, right? Um, that what is most important is to understand that you are, are going to be happy, right? Be happy in the sense because you're going to live your truth, right? Okay. And I think we as human beings are always, you know, striving to do that, right? That's why we buy cars. That's why we buy clothes and stuff like that, you know? Um, but when we are true to ourselves and live our authentic selves as we are destined to be, then you know we become to be free and so as scary as it may be um, for people to understand that they're not alone that there's a whole community behind um, them or you right who uh, who are organizing and who are fighting for you and so um, their support reach out to people um, people will be there with you people will walk with you through your journey so um, just be you because that's what's gonna you know um, support you to live the life that you're destined to live thank you so much for being on the show Bambi. of course no thank you so much for the opportunity and shout out once again to the amazing and beautiful audience who are listening and you know gracias. gracias